Orcas and salmon are friends that need help. Our ocean pals are facing some trouble. Less trouble, more bubbles. There's so much we can do. Do you know what I'm thinking? Let's start preaching extinction. Hello, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. For those of you that are new here, the Breaching Extinction podcast explores the plight of the endangered southern resident killer whales through interviews with the people trying to save them. There are currently less than 80 southern resident killer whales left, and they are currently threatened by lack of prey, vessel noise, and water toxins. All these factors impact one another and play a significant role in their population decline. They have historically spent much of their time in the Salish Sea. However, they've been seen less and less likely forced out of their home by lack of prey as well as busy and toxic waters. I'm your host, Erica Wirth, and I decided to start this podcast in 2019 after spending a summer working in the Salish Sea and learning about these animals. Each week, I dive into a new conversation with guests from varying perspectives. I approach these topics through an interdisciplinary lens in hopes of uncovering the intricacies of this complex issue. Through this, I hope to share insight as well as fit the puzzle pieces together needed to save this species. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in being featured on the podcast or sponsoring us, please reach out over Instagram at Breaching Extinction or send an email to info at breachingextinction.com. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm Kirsty, And I'm Erica, but I'm not Erica Page for all <laughs> our Ocean Lovers fans. Yes. Of course. And um, this week is going to be a little different. We're actually collaborating um, with this episode. So this episode will be up on both of our platforms. Um, uh, so yeah, that's why the intro is a little different, but we're super excited. We're going to be doing a deep dive today. For sure. And just so that everybody knows what's going on, Kirsty is from the Ocean Lovers podcast. I'm from the Breaching Extinction podcast. Um, and we are dolphins. Um, <laughs> no, um, but we sometimes like to collaborate on episodes. And so we decided to do that this week. Um, we started watching a documentary, the animals documentary on Netflix yep. dolphins episode. And we tried to like record about that, but there just honestly wasn't enough to talk about. So we're talking about pilot whales. Yes. Super because exciting. I didn't know a lot about pilot whales before mm-hmm. this. So they're weird. They're yeah. very weird. Yeah. I really didn't know pretty much anything about them until, until we started getting a little bit of an introduction through that, um, sure. through that documentary. And then that kind of opened the door for us to do a deep dive. So. Definitely. Um, oh, and before we start, in case you guys didn't know, in case you guys don't follow the Ocean Lovers podcast, um, I just released some Ocean Lovers podcast keychains on our website. Go check them out if you guys want yours, uh, free shipping, and it'll also be a Patreon perk. So if you want to join our jellyfish or our sea turtle tier, it'll be one of the perks on there as well. And I know Erica has some stuff too. Yes. So while we're talking about that, yes, I just updated my Patreon um, to offer more things through Patreon. So I have three tiers. I just updated my tiers. So I have LPod, which with that one, you get a sticker, you get access to 
um, work in progress updates, engagement, a little private community, and then you get a sticker. I think I already said that. Whoops. You know, sticker. <laughs> Um, you get, but you get a special sticker. Each Patreon has like a specially designed sticker for JK and L pod. For K pod, you get a sticker. Um, you get all the same benefits that came before, but you will also receive a small print that I've taken a photo of, of which I will mail to you, um, quarterly. So you'll get four pictures, four prints a year from me. Um, if you do this. And then for our J-Pod one, um, that is our highest tier. You will get a monthly sticker, specially designed, Patreon exclusive sticker. <laughs> so look at that. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you get all the same benefits. And then you will also get, you know, the um, print mailed to you. And you get a little mm-hmm. postcard. I'm going to write some things to you. Maybe Peaches will like lick it or something. Oh, my gosh. But- Do her paw print little paw print and then yes. she a little paw print and get it everywhere else all of my apartment no, that would be so cute because we actually uh we the very beginning of covid we followed uh-huh. a couple that were in peru yes. and that kind of somewhat got trapped during covid like right. they had the option to leave but the they pretty much had to stay and yes. they ended up like taking in this dog because there's a lot of dogs on the street in cusco yes. and they they took this dog in called potato I think they called him potato and he turned into like part of the YouTube channel. And if you subscribe to their Patreon account, you got mm-hmm. a postcard with his paw print on it. And we actually got it. Christian signed up for it way back when and his cute paw print. You should do that. Everybody I mean, would love that. Lexi, you want to do that? You want to do, do it? <laughs> Maybe. She'd be like, yes, it's about me. <laughs> it's about me. So, yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yay. Oh, and I have new merch. I dropped a bunch of new merch. So head to our website to get your merch. We've already sold some stuff. So I hope you guys like it. I so just, cute. My sweatshirt is on the way, so I'm pretty excited about it. Mm. So, um, but it's all new merch and I'm discontinuing the old merch. Um, so if you want the old merch, I do still have a couple of shirts. So just DM me and I can we can work it out. Um or DM breaching extinction. Gang, gang. Okay. All right. Episode. We're here to talk about pilot whales, and Kirsty is going to get us started. Give us a little basis of who they are, like what their bodies like, where they live, etc. Yeah. So pilot whales. There is the long fin pilot whale. There's the short fin pilot whale. Um, and just a little bit of what they look like. So unfortunately, I like to really find um, diagrams of like their internal structure, but for some reason it, there's, I just can't find anything for pilot whales, which is really weird because well, I mentioned this to Erica before we started recording that I couldn't really find a good like anatomy diagram. And I love talking about the anatomy of our deep dives and whatever we cover. And we were kind of not surprised, but then I mentioned, I'm like, okay, but they get stranded on the time. You would think that they would be like dissected and there would be something out there, but there's not. So um, I'm just going to kind of talk about what their body features are. So they're kind of a grayish charcoal in color, but they actually can differ in variations of colors like brown. Um, that is possible. And in case you guys, you guys might have seen pictures of these online, um, but you can really tell like what they are by their head structure. It's like the melon bulbous head. Um, so, and apparently it's more pronounced in males than females. Um, they do both have like a W like, um, 
patch between their flippers. Uh, one of them, I'm trying to see which one it is. One of, I think the short fin is more faded um, and also on the top as well. They have an indistinct beak. Um, the long fin has a more prominent white patch that trails along the dorsal fin on the back and the short fin is more faded. And they are the second to largest dolphin. Um, the first one is the orca and they, they come in second to be the largest dolphin in the fam. Um, let's see. Long fins have the long fin pilot whale have longer fins compared to the short fin. So the longer fin actually theirs is like a little more, uh, what is it? Um, theirs is 18 to 27% of the body length. And the short fin is actually only 14 to 19% of the body length. So it's much shorter than the long fin. Um, overall, it is very hard to distinguish the two like out in the wild because they do look so similar. Um, they don't, I want to say that I read that they can overlap in their locations, but they generally, it's just kind of hard to tell. So unless you're in that specific region where they, you would, you would find them. Um, it's really hard to tell if it's the long fin or if it's the short fin because their, uh, body characteristics are very, very similar. It's just slight variations in what they look like or the uh, different differences in them. Um, there are other names for them as well. So the short fin, they call them instead of short finned, they call them short fin pilot whale, Pacific pilot whale, pothead and blackfish. Um, and for the long finned, it's called long fin pilot whale, Atlantic pilot whale, Northern pilot whale. I don't know how to say this king whale. I don't know if you saw that Erica, it's C-A-A-I-N-G king whale. And then didn't, the, you didn't see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure if I was saying it right, but yeah, apparently that's one of their names. Um, and then just like the short fin, they are also called pothead because of like their melon like head and blackfish. They're just like trying to blaze all the time. Right. <laughs> they, really, they just, they just smoke weed every day. <laughs> you, would they, okay. Let's wait, see the wait. studies. <laughs> we need to hold on. Hold on. Let's just take a moment. If they smoked weed, would it be out of the blowhole or out of the mouth? Oh, Lord I Jesus. I recently saw a meme. I feel like if they're a true hardcore pothead, it's out of the blowhole. That's what I would poser, say. Yeah, if they're a poser and they're trying to act cool, it's through their mouth, I would say. I think it would just look cooler if it came out through the blowhole. <laughs> it would look cool if it came out the blowhole. Um, <laughs> but also, like, dolphins, like, get high off of pufferfish. So, like, yes, maybe it is fitting and maybe they are just trying to blaze. 420 blaze. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, funny. Okay. Um, let's see. Where else did I? Oh, their size. So for the short fin dolphins or short fin pilot whale, sorry. Um, the males can be about, so I'm estimating it was very specific on the website. I found this, but I'm just going to uh, do approximate about 13 to 23 or almost 24 feet. And the females are 10 to about 16, 17 feet. And let's see for the long finned males, it's 13 to 21 feet and the females is 12 to 18 feet. And, yes. Okay. And you said you had some other names, right? That you found. Yeah. They call I have some other names, but since we're talking about sizes, I also have some sizes too, for the newborn short okay. fin pilot whales are estimated to be between about four and a half to six feet. So 
Um, just imagine, Kirsty, you just had a baby. Imagine four and a half. <laughs> I think, I think seven inches was good enough for me. That's fair. That's totally fair. Or seven inches. Oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> I was thinking seven pounds. Seven. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, our babies really that small. No, she was not seven inches. She was nineteen and a quarter. <laughs> yes. <sighs> more jokes we made. I'll just leave that. Mom I'll brain, sorry. Yeah. Um. So in here, I have the scientific name for the Sharpen one, which I'm going to definitely butcher. Um. Which is the Globicfa. Um. Globus. It comes from the word Globus, which I'm just gonna shout out my friend Paige right now because. Um, whenever we talk about things, we just add us at the end. Like <laughs> we're talking about peaches. I call her crusty. We'll call her crustus. Um, crustus. So pages one's for you. Um, but so it's a Latin word meaning globe or ball. Um, so basically they're called globe headed. Um, and then Whoa. there's, um, the species name for it is macro high, Sorry guys. Sorry, that was so bad. Um, <laughs> Um, which comes from the Greek word macro, which means large. Um, so basically they're calling these, these whales big headed, which I think is really <laughs> funny. Um, and the other name that I saw on there, the Spanish would sometimes call them the black cauldron. Oh, well. so, oh interesting. I didn't see any of those. So, that's cool. Yeah. They got all kinds of names up in here. That's a, that's the cool thing about when we look at different sources, we get different information. Yeah. So yeah, I love it. Keeping it spicy, but yeah, no, my like the sizes in my book are a little bit different than what you said, but that's that's okay. just kind of that's how it goes. Like, yeah, different people collecting different data. Like it also like I feel like it doesn't matter too much. Yeah. Um, but I'm right now the book that I'm using is the Field Guide to Marine Mammals on the Pacific Coast. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I got a lot of my information from the Handbook of Whales, Dolphins, and Porpoises of the World. Yes. So amazing. Um, but one of the differences, so it's like she had said earlier, it's really hard to tell just by looking at them, whether mm-hmm. it's a short fin or a long fin pilot whale. Um, one of the distinguishing features is that the long fin pilot whales tend to have more teeth and a narrower skull. So um, that potentially um, can be a little bit of a thing. And it says that their fins are also seem to show like more elbows. Um, oh, okay kind of funny um yes but they the longfin pilot whales are um anti-tropical and they are only found in the north atlantic and southern ocean um and then the pacific whale watchers only see the short spin fin species so all the ones that we're going to see in california are going to be on this coast the longfin are going to be on the other coast yeah according to this guide here um but they have the, they thought that there was a long finned population here that they had seen um like back in the day but was probably impacted by uh, fisheries but there's basically there were um some skeletal remains from japan that suggested that we did have some on the pacific oh. side so that's pretty interesting yeah. um but yeah, so these guys, their social structure um, is very complex and uh, they live in tight-knit groups, which is not shocking because we know that orcas live in tight-knit groups. This is basically the cousin to the orca. Um, and also one of the things that I do want to say is this species compared to say humpbacks or orcas 
is not studied very well. So like all this information is based on what little information we have now mm-hmm. because these animals are very hard to encounter. Um, so these guys are highly social. They said they're exceptionally social in this book. They are highly intelligent. They're found in groups of 20 to 90 and sometimes more, which is kind of nuts. Um, there are three different types of social configurations that have been seen off the coast of Southern California. So they basically, they, they can go all the way up to Alaska. They've been spotted all the way up to Alaska from like Baja, California, but it is rare. It's much more common to see them um, a little bit further South. They, they're more so like in that Mexico, Southern California era area, or so we think, cause they could just pop mm. up. It's so easy to miss whales. Like if, especially if you're not looking yeah. or even far, it can be, very easy to miss whales. So that's what we think is that they they hang out here, but there's the, the, the three main kinds. So they have a chorus line. That's one social configuration where the whales travel or hunt in a broad front. So they're up to two miles apart. There's a couple whales that are um, feeding down deep. They also have uh, what is called an ordinary feeding group where the whales loosely drift apart in any given direction and kind of just hunt independently. And then my favorite um which is the loafing group why are we calling it loafing i don't know (laughs) um but that's when 20 to 30 whales float together um and it says they're nearly touching um and they mostly nursing females that do this so there's babies and we're calling it a loaf so i'm here for the social configuration we love it um but they do sometimes they are seen with other cetaceans so they've been seen with pacific white-sided dolphins gray whales fin whales even sperm whales um but it's interesting they seem to harass the sperm whale on rare occasion they're they're feeling a little spicy spicy um but yeah they have they will do tail swishes tail slaps um assuming that this is like some sort of defensive behavior so um it's interesting but they said that like yeah maybe it has something to do with the sperm whales responding to pilot whales um and thinking that they might be false killer whales because false killer whales will sometimes try to attack pilot whales so that could be okay um but yes these guys are um they're they said that they're polygynous, which I hadn't heard that word before, um, which basically means that they've got a matrix line. So it's the females and calves are going to stay in those stable pods. But once the males reach adulthood, they're going to go off and kind of alternate between the pods. So it's similar to kind of how lions are. Oh, I see. Not like our orcas where it's like boys, mama's boys, with mom the whole time. But these guys are mama's boys. Let me tell you, they are. <laughs> Like they, we are not surprised. We see this with orcas. We see this with other species. Our males die much quicker than our females because they are so reliant on the women. Um, also, just while we're on that, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into reproduction um, because the it's really funny. So these guys will nurse their calves. So typically these guys, have, they have a very long reproductive cycle. Their reproduction is actually really interesting. Um, they can be fertile up to the age of 55. They do go through menopause, but the females, like the grandmas will per- continue to produce milk. So I don't quite understand how that works as far as how you're yeah. in menopause, but you can continue to produce it's, milk. Okay. I was going to ask you about that because I didn't read anything on it, but I know when we watched the animal documentary on dolphins, they mentioned that and yeah. but I didn't see it like in anything else um, or I 
I mean, I just didn't see it when I was reading so far. So I was curious if you found it somewhere too. I don't know why that happens. Um, it's so weird. It's very weird. Especially they like are- you said, they hit menopause. So how, menopause. how is that working? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's just, it's the timeless titties. <laughs> <laughs> we need some more information on these. Somebody <laughs> needs to get their... For sure. It's about yeah. like funding and stuff though. But so this supports like the grandmother hypothesis, which we talked about with other whales and dolphins, meaning that, you know, grandma's there to, to teach babies how to do stuff. So, and these guys hang out in those super tight knit groups. So like, this is not surprising that, you know, they're, they're learning some things they're passing down um, information. So the mom's have a, uh, they don't necessarily have a season, but they tend to get pregnant spring and summer and then have their babies, um, the following summer and fall gestation is about 14 months. The calves suckle for about two years, um, minimum, oftentimes three or more. Um, and the calving periods are every seven years. So they're not having babies all the time. It's like every seven years or so, um, break. so this, yeah, they need a break. Like literally, they're like, "Excuse me, I'm not." They're like, "You've been feeding off of me for two years. Like, I'm done for five. <laughs> These guys, they just seem very toxic. They're very codependent. Like, it's so weird. And the males <laughs> are doing nothing to help anyone ever. Just like I don't. That's why I was like, pilot wheels are weird. Um, <laughs> but they can eat solid food as early as six months. So it's like you don't even need the milk. You're just being dramatic. Like that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell Avery that when she hits. Yeah, you're going to be like, listen. Just being dramatic, you don't need this anymore. (laughs) Don't need this milk. Eat your (laughs) solid food. Um, But it said the last calf to be born to females can nurse as long as 15 years. Um, And this is is what I find so funny. It says the sons are commonly suckled into the teenage years, but daughters no longer than seven years. It says males mature at an average of 17 years, although mating um, can occur between 13 to 16. Social maturity, however, is reached when the whales are in their 20s, but female whales mature much earlier from seven to 12 years old. I'm like, this sounds so familiar. (laughs) So, okay, huh. (laughs) they're toxic that's so interesting so the males will want milk longer than the females like they stay more attached that's so weird they're just gonna die like 20 years earlier like they just can't (laughs) like it's ridiculous and that's like a big gap too that's like a big difference between the both it's like almost double like what the heck um i just i can't with that huh interesting isn't that weird yeah I'm just like what are you at that's why I'm saying these weird these whales are bizarre um but they talked about too how they have strong social networks and how communication is essential um which is not shocking you know this is something that we commonly see in these guys and we'll get into a little bit more why that's important um here in a bit um but I'm just gonna also touch on their food um and what Mm -hmm. they eat so Um, what I thought was really interesting is there, these guys are compared to the oceanic equivalent of cheetahs or peregrine falcons. So our cheetahs (laughs) can run 60 miles an hour, our peregrine falcons, they can dive 200 miles an hour, just smash into their food uh, and then kill it, you know, it's so good. So the scientists were estimating, they were like, well, okay, how, how fast do you think that they can dive, Kirstie? How fast do you think? 
how fast or how deep? Yeah, how fast, how fast and how deep do you think these whales can dive? Um, how fast? Let's see. Let's do, oh God. Like in a second, in a second, how, how many feet you think they're going down? Um, I would, let's say in a second, 10. Okay. So scientists were guessing like that on average, that it would be like anywhere between like three to six feet. Um, just because like of the information that they've gotten from blue whales, um, they, these guys can dive down like 1600 feet and they can dive as deep. Well, they can actually dive as deep as 3000 feet, Mm -hmm. but they are diving at 30 feet per second what 30 feet 30 feet like literally like one mississippi that whale's 30 feet down like are you joking um but they figured this out because they use those suction cup tags oh yeah track them and if they would hear a bump or a crash they would know that that's when the whale typically got its prey but these guys are feeding on squid that are about four feet long and so they just pam what these whales are so bizarre like what are you guys doing like okay huh Um, but yeah, and they said they eat by suckling. So they have a large tongue oh, yeah. that when depressed creates a vacuum suction to the prey um, or a vacuum suction and it gets the prey stuck in their mouth. What? <laughs> Why are the orcas like the, they're like, they're called the devil, like <laughs> devil whales. <laughs> um, oh yeah, they, they're estimated to eat about 60 pounds a day. And they usually eat like squid and other food, but these are, these are the weirdest, like they're so bizarre. I don't know. Yeah. They're pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we knew more about them for sure. Not that we're judging or anything. (laughs) Um, the part about the milk is what gets me. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting, especially with the whole menopause thing. Like I, I wish we knew more about that. Like, how is that even possible? I don't know. I just like, don't understand anatomy well enough to like, yeah, that, you know? Yeah. I'm like still trying to think about it. <laughs> How's it working? I know, like how how is that? Because <laughs> how long do humans produce milk for? You should know this doing it right now. I don't know. I know, right? I don't know exactly how many, but I've known, well, not known, but I've seen women like breastfeed for years after because basically if you just keep pumping or you keep supplying it, your body still thinks that you need it. So a lot of women can still keep going and they'll just freeze it. And I know a lot of people can like donate it. That's wild. Yeah. Maybe it's it's like, they're like, because the babies are like continuing to like just be born and they're all like feeding each other, I guess. Maybe they must have to be like, unless there's is a bit different. It's like, are they constantly feeding the calves? Cause I know in the animals documentary, they mentioned that the grandmothers will stay at the surface with the calves while the others hunt. And then that way they can also nurse them and feed them because the calves can't dive that deep to get the squid. So it's like, how often are they doing this for, do they have to like humans, do they have to keep doing it like pretty often to keep supplying it? Like, it's just very interesting. It's, I feel like I maybe, know. I mean, if the, if the boys are, are nursing until they're that's like, true. <laughs> teens, then yeah. And I feel like maybe that's why everybody helps us. Cause that's, can you imagine nursing someone by yourself for like 15 years? Like that's no. what, like, yeah. So that's probably what it is. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, 
the, that's odd. Um, so yeah, but these guys, we do not know much about their range. We know that obviously we think that there was a long fin population on the Pacific coast, but mm-hmm. think that it's no longer, but like, if you try to look up their status, it's like not listed by a lot of places. Um, so we don't really know, yeah. but Kersey's going to jump into the whaling because whaling is something that has impacted them. Which is surprising, but not surprising at the same time. Like, not surprising because whales were whaled, um, but also surprising because these guys are hard yeah. to find, you know? Yeah, that's very true. So I have just, like, a brief little section about it, and I don't have too, too much. Um, but like Erica mentioned, their social structure, they're very loyal to one another. So that's why they get stranded a lot, which we're going to go into in a little bit. But because of this, because they're in such large, or they can be found in these large um pods um and because they are so loyal to each other and very social um unfortunately whalers took advantage of this so because if one leaves all of them leave type of thing so they were able to get them uh they were able to kind of herd them all together very easily and unfortunately this is how they would kill them um and they were targeted for their meat blubber and oil Um, Historically, this occurred in the Falkland Islands, Greenland, Iceland, Norway, Scotland, and even the U.S., which is, it's very sad. Um, I want to say, I don't have it written down here, but um, I want to say it's in Norway where they tend to get stranded a lot. Yeah. We'll go again, we'll go into, cause that's like one of their threats and whatnot, but for some reason, Norway, they get stranded a lot. They still don't know why. Um, but, um, let's see. And then do you remember the one, where do they like actually slaughter them? Like, is that, do you remember the location? Cause I, I didn't, um, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was a European country that they were slaughtered in. And it's um, like a, it's like a, um, it's like a, a cult- sport, right? I thought yeah, it was like a-, a cultural thing. Um, yeah, I can't remember because that was way back from the conspiracy documentary, which I yes, uh, oh, that's right, it was in there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay, but one of the things that I remember because we were just talking about the strandings is that um they get the name pilot whale because there seems to be like one head matriarch that is like the quote unquote pilot, mm-hmm. and they strand because they've got this super tight knit social group. So it's going to be like one's going to go and they're all yep. going to go. Um, and but like also I read too that there are like some that like will it's like even if it's not in the the set group like other whales will just like come. And oh, help. like if they call them, like they'll they'll come for help and whatnot, and that's why they're they get beached. Yeah. So often. But, and, a, and apparently, too, pilot whales are the, what, like the number one dolphin or even whale, I think, to get beached as much, like stranded. Yeah. Um, they definitely strand a lot more often than other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the theories is that they are very sensitive to sound. So they found that, like, there have been um, ones that will strand or strand sound. <laughs> strand whenever um there's a lot of navy sonar testing like they're super sensitive to the sonar um and they'll strand when that happens and it's like one will strand and a bunch more will strand um and even when they're quote-unquote saved by humans and pushed back into the ocean they're likely to strand again so that's also an important thing and i always like to bring this up when you talk about strandings is um if you see an animal in distress if you see an entangled whale an animal that's stranded 
you need to contact the proper authorities because there's so many things that we can do with our good intentions that we feel like we're being helpful and we're not being helpful. Mm-hmm. Like oftentimes shoving an animal back into the water, it has stranded for a reason, is probably not like the move. Um, it probably needs to come and be assessed by like somebody that can do something about it. So yeah. if that if there is somebody like that in your area, um, definitely contact them because, um, you know, you don't want to get into trouble. You don't want to cause the animal more harm. Um, but we tend not to know why these animals strand. Um, but they're definitely very sensitive to it. And again, the, the, the idea of noise pollution comes up. So not only, you know, when we think about the ocean in general, do we have all of these like microplastics and oil and physical pollution, but noise pollution is something that is also very important and that we see impacting whales and dolphins. And we likely don't know how big that impact actually is, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So something that I'm also surprised in is I'm pretty sure like 99% sure that, um, they also hunt them in Taiji, Japan, right? Like they they caught them before. They do. And they do it. Like they've now limited it to about a hundred per year that are caught and they used to actually put them in school lunches but since they found out that there's a lot of mercury in pirate pilot whales so they don't really do that anymore hmm yes but um in japan and whatnot um there there's still like a lot of like dolphin hunting and things like that that happen it's a very sensitive topic that i think that people should approach with an open heart because we don't want to be racist towards yeah. different communities because mm-hmm. there are different cultural significances. So um, I can't speak to all of those, but I'm just saying, let's, yeah, let's, let's be open-minded and open-hearted going into those conversations. And yeah. people's yeah. there's uh kind of going along with that. There's an artist that I follow on Instagram. Um, I want to, I, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to butcher it. Um, but I've been following her for a while. She makes beautiful art and she's, she loves sharks and she goes into conservation about sharks. And, um, she went somewhere specific. I forget where, cause I saw this a couple years ago and it was a place where, um, they hunted sharks and they did, you know, shark fins, things like that. And instead of her like going after these people, obviously they went with like a group, but instead they actually like collaborated with this village, I guess is the best way to put it. And they educated them more about why it's bad instead of just like shaming them because sure. she, because you're talking to these people and they were literally saying like, this is how we live. This is how we feed our family because we do this. So instead of, you know, like bashing these people, this is what, this is all they know pretty much. So it's like more beneficial to just educate them rather than oh my god I hate these people because once you get to know these people not saying that some of these people are just not bad in general because there's always going to be maybe some people that are just jerks I mean (laughs) they're not you know but yeah but yeah I think the best thing is to like help educate as much as you want to be mad and angry and sad about it it's like we just got to educate their culture you know their culture is it's changing every day So it's just a matter of like, you know, educating others and saying like, look, people, especially in Taiji, Japan, because they're saying that they're not even really eating the dolphins anymore, like the meat. Um, So it's like, okay, if they're not eating it, why are they still doing this type of thing? So 
Yeah. I think it's just like it's it's a very difficult topic to tread, and I think yeah. it's important to tread lightly. But yeah, no, I think like you know the education side of things is important, but also like going into that too. Like I think going into it first with a perspective of just trying to learn and understand where they're coming from, because I guarantee you that there are parts that like from the outside it may look like just like a slaughterhouse and like that it's just mm-hmm. all awful. <laughs> There's probably you know, a lot of underlying things that we don't understand, like the cultural significance or like maybe that it's like something that they eat. Like I've been fortunate enough to meet poachers in Tanzania and Costa Rica. And um, the man that I met in Costa Rica, he previously was a leatherback sea turtle poacher and it was out of necessity. And he now works for an organization that helps to protect the leatherback sea turtles. So that's awesome because he knows their behavior, you know, really well as someone who had to rely on understanding that animal's behavior. Um, And so, but it's like, uh, most of the time it's not a bad, like, it's not like they're doing it to like, you know, be shitty. It's just like, that's either the culture or like, that's what they have to do. They have to feed their families. Like we are very privileged. Most of us to live in the United States and Canada that listen to this podcast. Um, because what if they're forced into it too, like with a lot of cultures, they could be forced into it at a young age. Like you just don't know. Yeah. And it's hard. And also I think too, it's just like, you know, it can definitely feel like a double standard when we come from like the place that produces most of the trash and most of the emissions, like we are so incredibly wasteful here to go to another country and be like, don't do this. But like, yeah, it's hard. Um, it's like, I think you're right. Like, you know, sharing the knowledge from like a non-judgmental place is really important. Um, but like bridging the gap, cause like, you know, the conversations are difficult to have. It's uncomfortable to have conversations about like race and culture and things like that, but it's also absolutely necessary, you yeah. know? Um, and it's something like, you know, we see it with the Southern residents, like bringing it back to the Southern resident killer whales, like culture is a huge thing that plays a role in it. There's several indigenous groups throughout Canada and the United States, what is now called Canada, the United States that, um, are, you know, that, that relied on the salmon and, you know, the Lummi nation hunted with the orcas. Like you'd never know what the cultural significance is to somebody. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Um, yeah, I think that's just like important. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of, uh we for that we can kind of go into like the rest of the threats and stuff which is pretty self-explanatory like it's almost the same thing as any other animal that we talk about or you know on our deep dives and stuff here on ocean lovers but obviously pollution can be a big part in threats to pretty much anything in the ocean at this point um so the contaminants they're found in the blubber they're found in the food chain which is the biggest thing you know other smaller fish are having these uh, microplastics in them and you know what's eating these fish or squid things like that and it's the pilot whales and so that's one thing um let's see did you see this I was very intrigued by this I'm not sure if I'm gonna say it right but there's also a disease that pilot whales um apparently are getting it's called morbulin morbil oh my gosh morbil virus I, I don't know I think we should have an episode where we just try and pronounce things. <laughs> that would be interesting. And it's all just wrong. Right. And then Kendra <laughs> comes on and just corrects us. Yeah. Like a shot every time we say it wrong or something. Yeah. And then yeah. you know, I think it's a really good episode. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that sounds like a good idea, but a really bad idea at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, um, I didn't really look into too much of the virus. It didn't have too much, honestly, of what would I, what I was reading, but I guess it's affected uh, the pilot whales in North Atlantic. So that's pretty interesting. I didn't, that's kind of the first thing that I've seen to where like a disease is actually harmful or like in the disease. Like what does it do? So this virus, apparently it can actually affect humans, dogs, cats, cattle, seals, and cetaceans. Um, I guess in humans that it can be more of like measles and it, it, you basically just have like a fever. And I guess in animals, it's like a rash. Um, and I guess it can affect their respiratory tract where they get like an infection that way, but there really isn't much on this virus. If you look it up, there's little to like no information about it. So that's kind of intriguing too. That apparently these pilot whales, because I haven't heard of any other cetaceans, apparently they can get it, but I haven't read up on any other uh, cetaceans that have had it when we've done like deep dives and stuff. So interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, Um, Do you have any other threats? Obviously, like the the fishing nets, they get caught in bycatch. Like that's definitely an issue. The sound is an issue. I really am just like fascinated by sound and acoustics and all of those topics, like especially in cetaceans, but I just wonder how many other animals out there are like that. And like, I recently, (laughs) this is funny. I like just, so I live in a little studio apartment um, and I have upstairs neighbors and they are um, noisy. (laughs) Sometimes their kid will just stomp on my floor and just run back and forth. Like the most annoying thing. (laughs) And their kid used to do it at like six in the morning, like every single morning woke me up every single morning. And when I was working like during peak season, it wasn't a big deal because I was typically like up and like leaving at that time. Yeah. But I want to have off days and off season. It was not fun. Um, and that this has like gotten me to think too about just like the constant noise. Like I don't mind, like the, there's little stuff in the background, like when they walk around or when they play their music or even when their baby cries, like that's not that bad. But when yeah. there's like, the kid is like stomping on the ground, I'm like, I like, obviously it's not the same as sonar, right? Yeah. Like that's not nearly to the effect, but it makes me think about like, like, because that, ha- ha- like, it honestly did affect my, for a long time, which obviously, like, you know, I've talked to my neighbors and we've gotten the problem mostly solved and it's totally cool now, but like, it did impact my health and like my well being, And it was just like, and it wasn't even, you know, as bad as sonar. So I just really am fascinated by yeah. noise like and how, how that can impact them compared to like, if we're getting irritated by these little sounds, like imagine what yeah, they go like, through especially yeah. since they're being beach stranded killed yeah. and like I was losing sleep I was getting frustrated like and so I just wonder yeah like how all of these all these bigger noises in the ocean truly impact these animals um and we just don't know like it's just hard like I don't know there's so many like I've just been thinking more and more about like environmental solutions and things like that. And I was just talking mm-hmm. to somebody about how like Priuses are like actually not as great as everybody thinks they are because the lithium batteries are super toxic. And by the time you ship all the materials from like the United States to Japan and like parts of Europe where they need to go, it ends up like the lifetime of the Prius ends up being worse than lifetime of just an average car that 
isn't oh. like a special hybrid car. Huh. And so that's why it's so important to like think about, think truly think through all these environmental issues. Like, you know, like electric is, is a great option in theory, but like the lithium batteries are very bad. Um, carbon foam batteries seem to be a little bit better, but like still, and, and there's people out there that are making zinc batteries, which zinc seems to be like super non-toxic and natural. So potentially that's good, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just, there's so much that we don't know. Yeah, There's so many things that we just say that we know that we don't know. Well, it's like, kind of, it, the sound. what it kind of reminds me of is like when people say, oh, this is organic, but it really only has to be like a certain percentage to be called organic, at least in the U.S. or California that I know of. So it's almost compared to that, like, okay, we're off to a good start, but like, what can we do to make it better? Like, <laughs> I would rather just like go pick it out of the ground and eat it that way without pesticides and all that. But for sure. Yeah. And I think the thing too, also to consider is like, just like, just recognize it for what it is, which is like, you know, organic, like even if it's 30% organic, 30% organic is probably better than 0% organic. Yeah. So like just take it for what it is. Um, you know, and I think that's something to consider with like all of our efforts is like, learn what you can. Cause I think a lot of everything is just like, so hypercharged with people, just like this idea of knowing being like, Oh, I know everything. Like, I know that the Toyota Prius is the best because it like, this is, you know, how it's advertised and uh, you yeah. know, I have super good gas mileage, et cetera when in the reality, that's not always the case. So I think it's just important to like, look into things, accept things for what they are like, you know, and, and further put your money and effort into better understanding, like what's going on. Cause the truth is the, the actual truth, which I think that humans don't like this because there's uncertainty is we don't know. There's so much we don't know. We do not know the true impact of noise on the ocean. And the mm-hmm. fact that these whales are so sensitive to that, that they strand themselves and will like mass strand and potentially die over it goes to show that it's, it's something that it's, is, important yeah. to you know? Yeah. Yep. So, I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well I think we covered a lot with pilot whales. I think we learned a lot. You learned a lot for sure. And this yeah. was so fun. I love having you on the podcast. Yeah, you as well. Your podcast. Um, fun. But yes. So yeah. For those for, for the breaching extinction listeners, head over to Ocean Lovers Podcast. They cover a lot more broad topics. We're starting to cover broader topics, but they're even broader than we are. They talk about all kinds of stuff, like sharks and fish and sea urchins and otters and all kinds of stuff. So go over to their podcast because they got some cool info. Um and go buy one of Kirsty's keychains too. Yes. <laughs> Be the first oh, one. <laughs> yeah Yeah. well thanks so much I loved doing this deep dive I love that we found different information and we learned a lot from it and I'm excited that everybody else gets to hear it too and for those that are um, following ocean lovers but not reaching extinction um, we'll obviously uh, pog Um, we will obviously tag Breaching Extinction in our Friday's post when we upload and you guys can go check her podcast out, especially if you guys want to learn more about the Southern residents and all of that to go with it. Um, definitely check out her Patreon account as well. And yeah, hopefully we can do this again soon. Yes, for sure. Alrighty. Well, you all guys right. have a good week and we will hopefully, well, I guess we won't see you soon, but <laughs> soon. okay. Well, you can see this on the Ocean Lovers podcast, uh, Patreon page, if you're part of one of the tiers. So Perfect. 
if you want to watch the video episode. So yeah. All right. All right, guys, we will see you guys in the next video or hear you, hear you guys. I don't know how to end that. Also, (laughs) I just realized there's a part of this podcast that got cut out. That's going to be in your video. And I was just doing this for like, (laughs) for like two minutes. I was probably just going to try to edit like both the clips together or something. I'll figure it out. I'm making a mustache (laughs) with my hair. So it's good. Just for our listeners. (laughs) Okay. All right. Bye-bye.